Welcome back to Off the Curb. You know, it is the story that never ends. And the Tunnelgate controversy, which was a bad story to begin with, although baked with intrigue, has dragged on, what, a month longer than we wanted it to? And it's, what, about a month and two days long? It will not go away, but unfortunately, it is still relevant. There are still implications. And it seems like whenever things are starting to die down, there's a new kick up in the story. It started to die down a little bit. Charges are released. Started to die down a little bit. Tom Izzo comes out, hair on fire, blasting everybody in his path, the Big Ten, the media in front of him, pointing fingers literally at everybody around him. We're talking about it again, and we're going to revisit this today. Uh, Graham Couch, Lansing State Journal. You know, Graham, I'm going to bring you in. My wife, I asked her out about 22 times before she let me take her on a date. I think you, you beat her. I think it's it was about 30 times before I got you to, to go on a date, per se, with me. But I'm glad to have you. Welcome, Graham Couch, Lansing State Journal. No, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, and thanks for your persistence. Oh, yeah. I'm try- you know, I wore you down eventually. I was calling in favors from mutual friends of ours that you got to get Graham on the show. I'd love to have you in studio. We'll get to that later, maybe next year. I want to talk about this, but I'm going to set the table. We cut up a little bit of the Tom Izzo. It's a six-minute rant, I think it was. We cut it up a little bit just to give some perspective for the five people that missed it. And then I want to get into your response to that. So, Ben, please roll Tom Izzo's rant from the other day. When adults have a chance to handle a problem that's been a problem before and doesn't get handled, starts bad, ends bad. But I'd like to know what your guys' opinion is because you guys see all this stuff but you never write it either. So I ain't real happy with you guys if you want the truth. Why don't you write something? Why don't you write something? Huh? Why don't you write something? You know what? I'm a damn Michigan State guy. And I do not condone anything that our student athletes do wrong. And there were some things that were done wrong. But I'm also held accountable to any mistake I make or even ones I don't make I'm held accountable for. A reprimand? What does that mean? We don't. What, what do we get to do? What, what changes? I mean, it really was a fiery six minutes. There was no highlight in that clip. Graham, your response, you were called out or asked, I should say, uh, on Twitter to be one of these reporters to write on this as Tom Izzo was imploring explicitly. And this was your response via Twitter. Um, it's, I've written on this several times, including a column last week that ran in the LSJ and free press. I was traveling today, but I've had these talks with Izzo. He often only reads what's put in front of him and he doesn't realize opinion isn't the role of some writers. And then you continue. It's also not my job or anyone's job to write what he thinks as our own opinion. There are elements of the situation that he and I probably agree on though. Okay, so I was talking to Tony Paul, and it's with his permission that I'm, I'm sharing this tidbit from him. He hated what Tom Izzo did. He thought that was the wrong way to go. He doesn't want the tunnel controversy being kicked up, the tunnel excuse. You said there were elements that you agreed with Tom Izzo. Like, where are you at on this? What do you make of him doing that? Should he have come out like that? What's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I was in his office. Like, I've had that that exact conversation with him in his office within the month. Like, and and previously on other things, and I feel like he's even done it 
publicly before, maybe not quite with that much steam. Um, but it, it's not, it's, this is something that it, I understand why he feels the way he does. Um, he is a, you know, if you, you, you think of the biggest, deepest Spartan fan, you know, and that is, that is Tom Izzo. And he feels things the way fans do. He's somebody who's been through it for 30 years. He's seen a lot of sides of that rivalry. And so that's of the place it comes from. Uh, but, it, and I was not around that, that scrum of reporters. I was traveling back from Portland that day, but the, um, I, I do think in that situation, it, it, it I, I don't love the, the tact. I understand it was an emotional response very shortly after um, the, the big tens findings or decisions came out on the fine for Michigan state and the reprimand from Michigan based on the tunnel. And then you've got this availability with Izzo that's supposed to be preview, previewing this Notre Dame game and he's hot. And, and one thing I do, uh, appreciate about Izzo is you always know what he's thinking. You always know where you stand. Um, he's not going to let something fester. If it's on his mind, he's going to say it. So I appreciate the genuine nature of that. I, I, I just think in that situation, number one, when I, when I wrote that bit about the idea that he only reads what's in front of him, that's very true often. Like there could have been three or four people who wrote something that he would have appreciated or liked or agreed with in that group. And he may not have seen it. That's just the nature of, I mean, he'll, call me he's called me upset about columns that i've re, that i've realized three minutes in the conversation he hasn't actually had read the column but somebody else told him they didn't like it so th there, there's that element of it so just the element of rights you know i've heard that from him before and i understand where he's coming from i didn't love the tact uh he's got every one of those reporters phone numbers if he's really upset and really feels like somebody should be addressing something he could call them they'd pick up you have that conversation instead it's sort of it's sort of grandstanding is a wrong word. It's a little tough, but it sort of, it puts people on blast in a way that I don't think is necessary or helpful or even helpful to his cause. Because what are you going to, if you're, first of all, some of those reporters are, are, are beat writers who don't do a lot of opinion work. And then if you, if they were to turn around and, and just write what Izzo asked them to write, that that's not a great look either. That doesn't, that doesn't, um, I don't think help what he was looking to do, but I understand why he felt the way he, he, he does. I mean, this is, this is who he is, and it's one of the things I appreciate about him is um, you know how he feels at all times. You, you know, you're speaking to the, the media response, and, you know, I agree with you. I read your piece in real time as it came out. You know, there have been pieces out there. He did not use the phrase blue wall, but there were elements in there and parts that we didn't even include in, in that excerpt where he's kind of talking around it. The implication is, you know, why don't you write something about this? This part was covered, you know, sort of the quote-unquote pro-Michigan side. It, I know what you've written. You know, I, I, I consider you as someone that's willing to call out anyone that's worthy of, you know, being called out. But is there any element of truth to whether you call it the blue wall, a slight blue lean, whatever you call it, in general in the media in Detroit, Lansing, Ann Arbor collectively, is there a slight pro-Michigan lean, do you think, or is that just a total – myth in Michigan State fans' heads. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of layered. One, knowing some of the editors over time who have been in roles to make those decisions, um, it, it did not exist at that level uh, to me. In fact, you had a lot of Michigan State grads running those departments at times. People who cared, grew up, you know, going to, you know, caring about MSU sports. Um, and so it, it was not in the, the editor um, 
mindset. I do think there is something to Michigan is a bigger draw in football in terms of audience. And there is a reality of that. Um, I, I have seen both of those um, places sometimes work to be fair to the detriment of where the audience is. I remember once seeing a Detroit news columnist show up at a Michigan state game when it was just a, a nothing November game. And there was um, a huge Michigan game going on that day that probably deserved two columnists. And yet they were trying to balance it out. So I think there is a, a, a conscious effort to be aware that you, they're trying to be fair. Um, but also it, what columnists have their choice sometimes where they go. And that's a different level of things and, and what, what interests them or where, where the big story is. So uh, that may be perceived a certain way in terms of who shows up and, and, and where. I don't see the blue wall is, is like a lot of fans do, um, but I can understand why they see it, if that makes any sense. Like I can, if, if, if you put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's looking for fairness and looking, I, I can see why, why it looks like it's there. And maybe there are things that are, um, depending on how you define the blue wall, like the blue sounds very much like you're protecting the university. And I don't think that's hundred percent fair, but in terms of uh, balance of coverage and, and um, you know, whether something is, is uh, a story is attacked with the same ferocity at Michigan that it would be at Michigan state. I, I understand why that perception's there because I think what a lot of people look at recently is obviously the Nasser and Dr. Anderson stories and sort of the differences, but there were differences in those stories too. And you had, um, you know, Larry Nasser being alive, you have uh, just the, the, the national story that, that, the, that became with um, a number of young women, you know, testifying in open court and, and sort of the TV that created. And so that, that was just, a, they're just different in that sense where you have, you know, Bo Schembechler and Dr. Anderson are dead. It's different. And so it, it, it doesn't feel like the same intensity goes into something. And, and so therefore that creates the perception that there, there isn't the care. And, and you can criticize individually though, whether it was covered well enough or whether any individual thing is covered well enough. That, I think that's fair to, to look at and, and examine. Um, I don't think the intent though is, is, is a blue wall, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So if I'm going to break down what I interpret to be the central thesis of that six-minute rant that we cut up a little bit, I think it was a two-pronged point. One, we just addressed, the media aspect. And I, I think the second, I think it's fair to say, was a general attack on the Big Ten. He explicitly listed the $100,000 fine versus a reprimand for Michigan. I've had a number of private conversations with people, you know, I mentioned my conversation with Tony Paul, he and I were having a very spirited back and forth on this last night, but Tony's perception and the perception of many is that it was a mistake for time is it'll come out to even invoke the tunnel that it looks like what about that it looks like, uh, you know, victim blaming in so many terms. What do you make from a strategic leadership standpoint? Because, the president has been pretty coy, a little bit, you know, vaguely worded statement. Mel Tucker, nothing. Alan Haller, nothing. They've kind of taken this on the chin. What do you make of Tom Izzo coming out, blasting the Big Ten, just from a general strategy standpoint? What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think he thinks strategy in this, in this situation. I, but I don't know that it's helpful. But I also think he is somebody who thinks he has the gravitas to do it and 
deal with any repercussions and also um, gain attention. Uh, you know, whereas I, I don't think Mel Tucker, I think Mel Tucker would look pretty bad doing that right now. I think Alan Haller wouldn't look great. And you're right. I think took it on the chin is, is, is a good way of putting it. I think they've bitten their tongues a little bit. I think, I don't think either was thrilled with the big 10 response leading up to this. Um, I, you know, it was a, and so I don't know if Izzo thinks in terms of strategy all the time. He thinks where his, where his heart is and, and head is in that moment in terms of uh, what he's saying in, in, in public relations. And, and sometimes that gets him in trouble. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, but I don't think it was, I, I, don't, I don't think it was helpful uh, for sure. It, my perception from conversations with people more so at the football program where I just, I just happen to have a, you know, more connections that it, we've established. And you can tell by the guests on our show, it's a lot lighter on the basketball side, but my perception from talking to people in the football program is that they feel that they have come to this since it happened as contrite, as open and transparent and cooperative as possible. They've owned it. They, they do feel that there were some inciting factors there that they don't even want to say because they think it'll look petty. Their perception is we've done everything we possibly could to handle this with class and, and, you know, face up and chin up and Michigan in their perception, I don't know, but in their perception, has not been the least bit receptive to that, where Michigan's response to this administratively, how they've handled their uh, feelings with the Washtenaw County uh, prosecutor's office, there's no distinction between how Michigan State is handling it versus if they had handled it combatively. It's like they're they're not earning any goodwill whatsoever with their stand-up approach. That's their perception. I don't know if you have a read on that. Have you talked to anybody? Are they frustrated in your mind with, Michigan's handling of this, whether whoever's fault it was, I think it's pretty clear Michigan State was in the wrong for what happened that night. The fallout after, do you have any take on that? How Michigan's handled that state's potential frustrations with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is some frustration with the Big Ten um, and um, with, with Michigan. You know, I I don't know. I haven't had that conversation directly. I, I know there are things they didn't love about, you know, the the sort of push for charges initially, um, and not that there wouldn't have been charges filed on Crump. I mean, he swung a helmet. I'm not saying there weren't in, in certain places warranted, but the initial push for criminal charges, I think, was something that was they probably felt was unnecessary. But the Big Ten's response, and, um, and and everybody was in a little bit of a spot here as soon as this got to a situation where the police asked them not to talk to the players, right? So what you really had was the video and not a lot of other information. So I, I also understand from that perspective. But I do think that Michigan state was looking for more guidance from the big 10 or some guidance, something from the big 10 and didn't get it. Um, and, and there was, there was some, there was some frustration there, but I, to your point earlier, I mean, I think they, they understand there's not a lot you say here that makes you come off looking good. And I think that's part of Izzo's frustration back to that too, is like, there's not a lot that can be said that looks good. He knows it. He's probably going to say something anyway, but he, he's hoping somebody will write it that comes from a, a place that uh, has the, you know, the gravitas to, to do so and have impact and um, say what he thinks needs to be said. I, I think the fan base really liked what Tom Izzo did. I don't know how effective it'll be on any type of external well, level where it's going to affect change point, in a positive way. That's why people, I mean, he speaks from their soul. That's always been his strength. And, and I think that, and so I mean, I 100% get why why they love it. It's how a lot of people were feeling. 
and he sort of gave voice to that. I, I thought this opportunity was lost here in this event with what happened, where if Michigan and Michigan State had both come together administratively from a football program leadership standpoint and said, look, enough's enough. This is rock bottom. I think you could start to build to a little bit more of a healthy place in the rivalry. Again, I'm only talking to one side here, and it's not for lack of trying. Michigan people don't really talk to me, you know, usually as as a general fact. But they're perception is and I agree is there is a bloodlust for the Michigan program they want these guys charged to the fullest extent absolutely no diversion program they want the book thrown at them that's reflected even in the fan base's comments yeah I posted something about Jacoby Winman's stats at the end of the year yesterday and there's people responding saying shouldn't he be in jail I mean they seem to be frothing at the mouth hoping for the worst possible outcome for these players my perception is this was an opportunity lost where Michigan State apologized, owned it, suspended guys, all worthy reactions. If these two had come together and said, look, this is rock bottom. We This is in a bad place. And it, it, I'm not saying 50-50 blame. Michigan State owns it, but let's move on. I think things could have been a lot better. But now there's been so much resentment bred by Michigan's reaction to this that I think we're as bad as ever. I mean, do you think that's a fair assessment of where we're at just as the rivalry is concerned? Yeah, it's ugly. And it's, it's, it's in a bad, it's, it's just not fun anymore. That's the other thing. It's not, it's really the, the the venom is at a level that I've I've never seen. Um, And I do think that, that Michigan had the opportunity to sort of cool the temperature on this and did not take that. Um, And even to do so is, is the weeks went on or, 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 um, his, his charges came out, even if it wasn't initially something that was done um, to help that. Now, some of it is going to be, look, this rivalry has changed for, for a number of reasons. And part of that has been Michigan State's winning over the last 15 years. And what that has done to, I think, the, the Michigan fan psyche where Michigan State has become a viable threat instead of just an irritation occasionally. And so that changes, um, I mean, the, the number of people who are Michigan fans who are in my mentions when I'm writing a random story about Michigan state, Portland basketball, um, and they've got some negative Michigan state take like uh, Twitter didn't exist in 2004. So I have no perfect comparison, but I, I just can't imagine that they cared to that extent. And, and it, it just, you know, and so I think that that has created a, a, a level of two sidedness to this that is uh, more even. And, and you always had, and then with Michigan, from Michigan state's perspective, they've, sort of seeing the top of the mountain in this rivalry and they can't go back. There's no, this is, you know, there's no ability to go back and just be an irritant to Michigan and, and, and be okay with beating them one out of every three or four years. And so I I think you're, you're at an impasse where a lot of pent up feelings for a long time. And, you know, Michigan state, depending on where you were born and when you got into this rivalry, you feel a certain way. And I think Michigan feels differently about it. Um, but I also just think there's been an awful lot of unreasonability on on social media um, that is, yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and, and I get that that's not representative of everybody because I hear from a lot of Michigan fans and emails and people who aren't thrilled with Michigan's response or aren't as, um, aren't looking for blood with Michigan State, but it certainly feels like it, and and I'm guessing message boards are the same way, but it certainly feels like it on social media. And that does, that is a climate that, that is felt like 
part of the, I think we're all a little culpable for what happened because we build this thing to just to be such a thing. And then that what happened in that tunnel, not that it should have happened, not that there's an excuse for, for anything that did, but it's still technically in the arena, so to speak. You're talking 10 minutes after a fierce competition and a competition that's that's built that the end all be all. And these players know it. And and so I think to me, it was still in the arena to us. That's part of the reason I don't think um, I think it should have been looked at a little differently that, yes, it happened in a tunnel. But this wasn't, uh, you know, an alley outside you know, a bar or something like that where assault would be obvious. This was this was still after a football game between a bunch of 20 year old kids who beat each other up for three hours and one side had to win, one side had to lose. And then you have them side by side in a tunnel. And, and should they handle it better? Absolutely. Should there be uh, logistics looked at at Michigan that create situ- so that situation cannot happen again? Absolutely. Um, but I also think it's more understandable, um, even though not at all condoning any of it, than it would be if it had happened in any other aspect of life. It's just a bummer because it was a blown opportunity. And you know, yeah. tr- trouble with the snap in 2015. It was an estimate between 10 and 20 Michigan fans on social media were harassing them. There, you know, supposedly a couple of death threats. Oh, you should die, kill yourself, stuff like that. And Michigan had a response from their, uh, at the time, AD Hackett in under 24 hours, telling these people to knock it off. We're a month into uh, racist stuff being thrown at Michigan State players. You have blue check mark credentialed reporters for Michigan posting video implicating a staffer who had nothing to do with anything. They had a, a, a player, I'm not going to name the player, but I talked to the player and his dad, who was implicated, who was uh, 100 yards away, wasn't or 100 feet away, wasn't even near the tunnel. They they incorrectly identified who, who the person was, and his name's getting thrown about, and he's tagged. And Michigan State is furious with this stuff and obviously the university of michigan administratively can't control what their fans say or what their reporters do but they called it out when there were a dozen or so doing it to blake o'neill in under 24 hours there's been no effort at all to cool the temperatures michigan state doesn't know what to say they're just sitting there shrugging because they're you know they were the perpetrator in the event so i get it i mean michigan state's not necessarily sympathetic either but are we to a point where we should be implicating a staffer who has nothing to do with it, a player who's 100 feet away? It, I don't, it's just, we blew an opportunity collectively. And I'm not pointing any fingers. I think the collective opportunity was blown. And I don't know where it goes, Graham, because it's gone now. Michigan State will never forgive this bloodlust that they've seen in the, the weeks. In my opinion, this regime, anyway, will never forgive what happened in the weeks following. Michigan apparently will never forgive what happened that night. I, I just I don't know where we go. I think I think there could be a worse thing next year. As crazy as that sounds, I think if there's another incident of any sort, they will find a way to pause the rivalry. Like I, I do, and I, I thought for a minute, and I've gone back and forth on this. I thought for a minute it could use a couple of years off just to sort of appreciate it again because it it can be awesome. I mean, there are parts of it like even the stuff until now. Like you go back to the little brother comment by Mike Hart. Like that's part of rivalry talk and D'Antonio's response and the stake from Joe Bolden, all that stuff is, is while it may not be smart to do if you're, if, if to put a, um, a stake in the ground when you're not the better team and all that stuff. And, but all of it is sort of is fair and fun to a degree. And that, you know, even when there was a lot of heat in the rivalry, it hadn't crossed this 
this point. And so I'm, I'm hoping that that it never does again. But yeah, you're right. I don't know how the Heat dials back from here. I, my guess is they will try to do something heading into next year's game. But I, to your point, I think it'll probably feel too late um, in, in some regards. Yeah, it's a bummer. Well, Graham, I know you got to get the South Bend big basketball game tonight for the better of the two major Michigan State athletic programs. So I appreciate your time. I know you squeezed us in and thanks. And we'd love to have you in the actual studio that I'm sitting in right now, whenever you're ready. We'll do it soon. Thanks a lot. Couch. Appreciate Appreciate you, Graham. Lansing State Journal. Justin Spiro off the curb. Big, big show tomorrow, but I'm not going to tell you who because it's a surprise, but it'll be a really good one. Trust me. But I want a little hint. Graham may be in the same building as one or two of these individuals this evening in South Bend. Justin Spiro off the curb. We're out. Uh-huh.